Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. And we are back with an all-new breaking news, keep it. Hard-hitting news. Oh. Lewis coming straight out of Atlanta last night. <laughs> oh, here we are. Justice was served. Oh, yes. Beyonce finally added thick back to <laughs> the Renaissance Tour, along with All Up In Your Mind and Drunk In Love. That's the only news coming out of Atlanta last night that I know of. You worked very hard on this comedy this morning, I can tell. Is this your packet for Fallon? <laughs> I'm Louis Fertel, by the way. I actually did laugh. It was pretty good. <laughs> I'm Ira Madison III. I am not submitting any packets, Louis, because we are still on strike. I was getting scab antics from you just now. I, I'm sorry to mischaracterize you. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Gutfeld on Fox um, <laughs> is not... Um, WGA. You don't so say. I can submit a packet to that. Oh my god, I, I I forgot all about him. Even though he's like the most popular comedian of all time, or something. By the way, <laughs> speaking of um, music, we groove to. You know what I just heard in Starbucks the other day, and I hadn't heard it in a while. What? Uh, and this is an unofficial anniversary because I think it's about ten years old now. Mm-hmm. Blurred lines. Mm. What do you think of blurred lines nowadays? Okay. Um, I am going to say that I don't really stand blurred lines. I like I didn't even really like love it that much when it first came out, but I am admittedly a Robin Thicke stand. That's a crazy take. You don't love blurred lines, but Robin Thicke, of course, I will defend. <laughs> it's a good song. I think it, I think it's a perfectly constructed song. I think that even before the controversy of, you know, stealing you know like the song and also you Um, know the marvin gay sample right Uh uh-huh yeah the marvin gay sample and you know also the controversy of you know like the video uh and how women were presented in the video which is which is very lol now um it that seems so quaint um but um I don't know. I like like early Robin Thicke. Like I I love listening to like Lost Without Shoes. Uh, that's a good song. And that and like slow jam is not usually my thing either. That's a yeah. that's a good vocal. Slow jam Robin Thicke. Yeah. is more my vibe. And the like that upbeat, you know, like that whole era of Pharrell, you know, with like happy and shit. I like airstrikes. Bomb it. <laughs> bomb it again and bomb it some more. Like the period where he left like I'm making I like the Neptunes era yeah. so much, like the rock era. I love the like, you know, like the Britney Mil- era. Milkshake. And I also yeah. love 
Yeah. And like, you know, like hip hop stuff he made too, like clips and everything else. But like that period in like the early 2010s when Pharrell was making, well, like grocery store music, Mm -hmm. this like a bane of my existence. Here's the thing. Um, I was surprised to hear it. I mean, also bizarrely. So 10 years ago, I was on this game show called The Chase and it took forever to film. Um, Like it's it's not like Jeopardy where they do five episodes a day. It's an... uh, a primetime game show and they do like two episodes and there's tons of camera angles and stuff. So between takes, they would play songs for the audience to literally dance to. And they played Blurred Lines. I'm not kidding. I think maybe three times. So like I was done with the song <laughs> then. So after, uh, years and years later, I'm hearing it again. I feel like it's the best Charlie Puth song of all time, but Charlie Puth didn't make mm. it. You know how like Charade is one of the best Hitchcock movies of all time, but Hitchcock didn't make it. It's like that for me. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for Charlie Puth who I'm still out here standing, even after that last album, I'm still waiting for him <laughs> to come up with something at that level. I think Blurred Lines should be kind of a North Star for him. You know, it's like um, mm-hmm. Hall & uh, uh, uh Wham! Everything She Wants. By the way, the Wham! documentary on Netflix, so good. Did you see mm. that? Yeah, I watched it. I oh, it. so pleasant. I mean, it's also, it, it's nice to get like a George Michael documentary that isn't just what happened to George Michael or what happened to George Michael is tragic. Like hearing him come up as a songwriter is really interesting. And the and yeah. the narration from both him and Andrew Ridgely is a lot of fun. But anyway, um, no, I was surprised to like Blurred Lines now more than I did then. But we were so inundated with that song at the time. Like you couldn't be out yeah. there standing that song that long. It's all we heard. It was like Uptown Funk. Yeah, but you know what? I still like Uptown Funk though. I like songs that say the words Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, well, Michelle Pfeiffer, that white girl. I'm like, come on, bitch. That's <laughs> saucy. That, that, Michelle's my girl. Like Angelina Jolie is my girl, as we all know. But Michelle Pfeiffer is she's an icon. Oh yeah, no, and she comes in on Instagram yeah. too, being like, just having a wonderful day. And I'm like, I bet you are. You're Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> you and David E. Kelly. Yeah, right. What a marriage. Come on. Yeah. Some people have too many TV shows, but David E. Kelly's not one of them. They're all good. Do you think before they got married, she was just like, I do have to ask you one question, David. Uh, He's like, what? And she was like, what were you thinking with, smell this shoe? (laughs) (laughs) From Boston Public. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Was that Loretta Devine doing that? Uh, You know what? If we went through all the things we've made Loretta Devine do over the years, I don't know that we'd be proud of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not everything is that Grey's Anatomy arc. Um, okay, well, speaking of Marvin Gaye, who you brought up a minute ago, um, I love when Twitter does a one gotta go. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this one had Michael Jackson, Prince, Stevie Wonder, and Marvin Gaye. And so the the question is, here's a, here's a picture of four people. One, you have to delete entirely, including everything they ever did in their career, correct? Yes, Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, that's, there's no correct answer, I would say. I personally, if I had to pick one, I mean, Marvin Gaye's music is probably the most important historically. So I don't think you can mm-hmm. get rid of him. Steve Nipprint. But I would say Stevie Wonder, unfortunately, because in the 80s, it got bad. Okay. I will say one thing. We already know what's going on. You know, like Marvin asked, like, what's going oh, yeah. on? And it's, <laughs> it's, we already know okay, at right. this point. What's happening, right? brother? We're aware. Yes. Yeah. 
I was at this restaurant, um, Holiday Bar, one of my favorite restaurants in New York. Uh, and whoever was playing the playlist on Saturday night was like a Stevie Wonder stand. And they were playing mm. just constant Stevie Wonder. And I was like, you know what? I can't get rid of this. I can't. And also, I feel like it was easier for you to say get rid of Stevie Wonder because you have your white happy birthday song. <laughs> and if I and if you have to delete, oh, which I love to sing. If you have to delete, if you have to delete, if you have to delete Stevie Wonder's happy birthday, I I don't I don't know what I'm do, I don't know what I'm doing when that cake comes out. No, <laughs> no, you're, you're twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like if I can't go on a happy birthday to yeah, like what are we doing here? I also don't mean to deride everything he did in the 80s. I think his song Go Home is from the 80s. And um, Hotter Than July, so Master Blaster, that's an 80s uh, Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. song. But we gave him an Oscar for I Just Called to Say I Love You. And I just called to say you need to turn that off because I do not want to be hearing that song. <laughs> yeah. It's like how Lionel Richie has the Oscar for Say You, Say Me. Wouldn't put that in his top 10 songs. Okay, we've talked about this before. Don't come for that. <laughs> too slow. It's too slow. Weird movie. All right. We've got a fun episode this week. We're playing another game. I am sorry to people out there who might not like the games we play, but unfortunately, I am an addict. I'm like that episode of Happy Endings where Eliza Coop is like a psychotic game player. Unfortunately, I'm going to keep <laughs> following that streak. Uh, this time, we're playing one of Lewis's favorite games, which is... Um, Older than. Yeah, uh, Who's Older is the name of the game. I, of course, need to credit my two friends, uh, Andrew Wisniewski and Justin McBain, with whom I play this all the time. I hate when I lose it. So if I mess up today, just know that I'm like fists on the table like Donkey Kong. Just be prepared. Yeah. Um, And we are also going to talk about the gay cinematic event of the year. Maybe of mid-August, but okay. <laughs> Red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> yeah, I did see it. I did see it. I had. A, I was in Chicago for Market Days, which is like a big local pride, but everybody comes in from all over for it. And so it's an exhausting weekend. And so I come back and I like. I have to watch this. Following that, having you know less than an endorphin in my brain, no neurons connecting, etc. And I have to tell you, on that level, it sticks the landing. <laughs> if you have an unactivated brain, get ready. You're about to have a good time. <laughs> Uh, and our guests this week are uh, comedians Punky Johnson and Dicey, host of the podcast Love Thing. And uh, believe it or not, we're going to dig into Lewis's love life. They were very rude about this. They just like threw it in my face. <laughs> I have my dossier here of pop culture things I'm supposed to talk about. And then they asked me about my <laughs> my intertwinements, a word she used, with men. And uh, I, I responded gingerly. So you'll see me at my most diplomatic. You know, I really like the word intertwinement. I thought that, no, when she said that, I was like, that should be a word for like what you do with yeah. your side piece. Yeah. Yeah. Intertwinement. Yeah. It's so much better than entanglement because right. that, that just sounds, it sounds sticky, you know, like Ivan Ooze. Yeah. And, and entanglement sounds like, oh, there's like, there's, this is like knotted up. Intertwinement's like just a, a light, a, a light joining up with other souls. Yeah. It's a do do Yeah. <laughs> The the cookie. Yes, of course. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I don't know how to do Joe. 
Like that's that's probably what you do when you sing the birthday, the white birthday song. <laughs> Line dancing is becoming popular in LA. Like there's like huge <laughs> nights for it here. We'll we'll do an entire keep it about that at some point. But as you know, it's just like unsettling. Yeah, you know, it's I I like the electric slide. Uh, sure, I no, I'll I'll go yeah. to a straight wedding once every seven years. Sure. Uh, black people do the electric slide w- with vigor. We we do. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. Usually, usually, you know, like uh, old, usually, usually, black people who like um, Sunday day parties, mm. uh, you know, um, brunch hats. Yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm picturing florals. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, very Issa Rae TV show. Right. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, we'll be right back with more Keep It. Lewis, have you ever worn a Black Lives Matter shirt to work? I just have the tattoo. And what are the rules around bringing up the Alabama boat brawl in your work Slack channel? I should investigate that. Yeah. Well, you know, we're currently not working. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, I haven't been on a Slack for months. <laughs> but in Work Appropriate's most recent episode, host Anne Helen Peterson and guest Garrett Bucks answer questions from white listeners struggling to find the best ways to exert allyship around social justice issues at work. Listen to this interesting conversation and more every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. The Twunk political romance fantasy movie, Red, White, and Royal Blue, dropped this weekend, and the gays are talking. For once. I know, I know it's a really yeah. silent community. I'm so <laughs> glad they had the nerve to finally speak up. Uh, but honestly, we're just using this as an excuse for me to bring you my British accent. Uh, right. I, I actually throw up several times during a podcast. You don't hear this on the actual episode, but today I'll be doubling my number. Uh, no, so Red, White, and Royal Blue is based on a book by Casey McQuinston, uh, and it is about the son of the U.S. president, a female U.S. president, okay? Fight the power. <laughs> uh, and... The son of, well, he's a king in the movie, but in the book, it's a queen. It's like a Queen Elizabeth type. Oh, but okay. like in the movie, now it's like a King Charles type. Uh, but anyway, they link up, they fall in love, and, uh, you know, it's a romantic, sweet film that is, we'll talk about this, it's rated R, which... I feel like it's rated R for the one sex scene that you've been hearing about um, that's been online. Like, people have been sharing the clip. The, you know, like, the gay um, British one, Henry, uh, teaches uh, the American one, Alex, how to, you know, have gay sex. Yes, and in the movie, so you get this missionary thing, and apparently there are people who didn't know gay people could have missionary sex, to which I say, why don't you use the internet sometime? Why... Can't you just type in what do gay people do with their lives? What like, <laughs> answer these questions? I have to tell you, we put the answers out there. You can find them on Twitter in Living Screaming Color. Secondly, half the gays that we follow online are constantly uh, 
just uploading videos of themselves doing it in the missionary position. No, please. Like, elected gay officials are out there, like, on OnlyFans. Please, like, pay attention. Um, I will say, though, that you br- you brought up Eliza Coop earlier. Famously, there's a happy endings joke about how yes, there is, gays right? can't have missionary sex, which told me, you know, that there are no gays in that writer's room. Jesus Christ. I mean, I would love to know what they thought it's just pure doggy all the time. Come on. That's too much. But that's such a – and that Happy Endings is such a gay show. Totally. Just totally. in essence. So it's it's very weird that it's uh, – that that slipped through. Okay. Here's the thing about this movie. I mean it's a, a perfectly traditional rom-com, I guess, where two characters aren't supposed to be together. They get together. It's unlikely. And then, you know, they see if they can work out in the end. But I want to mm-hmm. figure out what is it about this movie that just – you know, in, in a way where it's hard to define camp, what is it about mm. this movie that feels Hallmark Channel, even though it's not? Like, there's just mm. something as you're watching it that there's like, this isn't quite good or this isn't quite a legitimate the- theatrical offering, even though, you know, if it starts, dr- I, I just, I, I don't even know what the quality is. Like, maybe I feel like it's that altogether, the writing is supposed to be cute and everyone, no matter how... um charismatic they are and i think the lead, the main lead specifically taylor zacher perez is like a, a charismatic lead there's always something mm. stilted about it and i wonder if that's why it feels like i'm watching you know the oxygen network <laughs> first of all i feel like they're they're i think that they have really good chemistry together mm-hmm. i think that taylor and nicholas have great chemistry mm-hmm. but they do seem to be in two different movies Yes. Nicholas is very serious. Uh, Taylor is in Riverdale. Very much so. Taylor has more whimsy about his performance at all times, even during the melodramatic moments, whereas mm. the other guy, who I only know from the Amazon Cinderella, I think. He plays the prince mm. in that with um, Camila Cabello. I should stream it because I don't want Billy Porter to lose his house. <laughs> I'm worried about him. Yeah. But the melodramatic moments in the movie where they're like, you know, they're, they're worried about the expectations of, of, of uh, the fans of the royal family or whatever, um, felt a little overly emotional. for. And also, by the way, this movie mm. is a little long. It's like an hour and 50 some minutes. And this is, should be coming in in the 78 minute community. You know what I'm saying? It's a long movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it yeah, was... Yeah, it's pleasant. It goes down like candy. I, I thought it was fun. It was pleasant. I, I like. I watched it. I teared up a couple times. I even, I suggested it to a couple friends who uh, I wouldn't think would even be into this sort of thing. And they were like, they loved it. I feel like people were just maybe in the mood to watch something that was gay and sweet. Um, and it's a good rom-com, I feel like. But what I will say is that it's a bit too cliche rom-com for me. Um, I haven't read the book uh, completely, but I've read parts of it and I've looked up, you know, like just sort of like the specifics of the difference between the book and the film. And obviously the edges are just sort of like, you know, ironed off for this film, you know, like, so I feel like the book is more conflict wise. Mm -hmm. There's no conflict really in this you know a lot of it is external you know what will the uk think about you know like the prince being gay right well you know as soon as it leaks that the prince is gay you know like there's a pride rally outside <laughs> of fucking buckingham palace uh so it seems like a market day it was a little premature 
uh, to be worried about this. Uh, and Alex, you know, is the president's son, and she is trying to win a re-election, presumably against a Republican candidate who is homophobic. Right. But there's not an ounce of homophobia in the film. No. Whatsoever. Right. No, no, you know? no. Like, politically. It's just the idea of opposition. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, and he's like, Getting out the vote in Texas, and nobody calls him a faggot. The movie's already <laughs> rated R. Yeah, so right. Go there. I think Jesus could, Christ. I think it could throw out a fag or two. Um, not that I'm advocating for a film where you know he's like horribly discriminated against. Because there are plenty of times actually where I'm watching like a gay movie, and even though I know that that is a reality of life, just sort of like what I'm watching, like a black film like that's a period piece or something right i cringe up when i'm just sort of like here's is there like a racism scene coming because it's just like i don't or like a homophobia scene like i don't want to see it so i appreciate not including it in there but i feel like there's a way to include it without it feeling like it's so sanitized Mm -hmm. to the point of fantasy because you already have you know like nothing goes wrong in this film yeah which i mean it's like you know it's it's sort of like heartstopper in that way like there is like they are up against certain things but like the whole the whole vibe is so positive and like you're there for a good Mm -hmm. time and for escapism frankly this is better than heartstopper though i i think that's i it's about on the same level for me i got tired of those damn kids this season (laughs) (laughs) i i haven't i haven't continued with the season i will say that Um, (laughs) i will say I'm not tired of them. I just think that um, my main problem with Heartstopper season two is a problem that happens with a lot of ensemble TV shows that have main leads in their first season in that by the time we get around to the second season, everybody in the damn cast has a storyline. Right, right. Mm. And we need to focus on what worked in season one where it's like, no, 75% of the story still needs to be the main characters that I care about. Uh, I was just reminded of a movie I haven't thought about in a while. Did you see Empire of Light with Olivia Coleman? Unfortunately. Okay, yes. But like, you know how like that movie is about one thing and then they insert a racism storyline and as you're watching you're yes. like, oh God. You know, it's just like they inserted this kind of like, like it changes the mood. It it like yeah. feels shoehorned in. It, it, it both feels violent and sanitized in a way. Like I think it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, it there's something about it that takes you out of the movie reality that you're in, and it just feels a little too didactic in a way. But um, I will if say I've about racism in a movie. You know what kind I'm fine with? The hidden figures racism. Jim Parsons like, and glasses being like, we don't do math here with like this with black women. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Kirsten Dunst in that movie, fearsome. Yeah. Well, her in that bathroom is a great scene, I yeah. feel like. And... You know, then if we're going to get something cheesy, then, you know, we just have uh, Kevin Costner taking down a uh, (laughs) white's only sign. (laughs) And bursting into tears or whatever he does. (laughs) I will say about this movie, though, if you're on the fence about the two leads and the chemistry they have, because they're not like they're around, they're in projects and stuff, but they're kind of newish actors. Something that I thought was brilliant on the producer's part. The supporting cast is definitely worse actors than they are. Holy shit. Woof. Some <laughs> aliens encountering some jokes for the first time. What? 
I was re- also even Uma Thurman comes in and she, her accent is deeply Foghorn Leghorn. I don't okay. know how she settled on that. Kill Bill, kill your acting coach. What's happening here? <laughs> I am the president of the United States of America, and uh, <laughs> I say, I say that is that is my favorite accent in the film. And people online keep I don't know if it's proven that this was written for Connie Britton or something, but people kept saying like this should have been Connie Britton. You know, um, which I can see. It's very, um, we love Connie Britton, obviously. One of our favorite keep it guests ever. But content-wise, I would not have been shocked if Connie Britton was in this film. You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uma Thurman being in this film, I was sort of like, did you get lost? (laughs) Um, Like, were were you walking to a different movie set? And accidentally stumbled on this. Uh, it was just very surreal seeing Uma Thurman in it. Right. It didn't feel right. Yeah. It did feel right. It did feel right. And I don't know if it was the accent, too. I feel like Olivia Coleman, we brought her up, like, feels perfectly right in Heartstopper. Because she commits to it. She's playing Kit Connor's mother. And Obviously, it's a very that, natural sweetness. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It feels very natural and real. You know, um, nothing about this role feels Uma Thurman. There are no hard edges to the character. She's a little too sweet, a little too cloying. Like the 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 the, the scene about you know getting her son on Truvada and talking about bottoming and topping. Like that's funny, you know. But I feel like I would expect Uma Thurman to deliver those lines differently. And mm-hmm. I get that, you know. Everyone can play different roles, you know? But if we're talking about what a movie star is, a movie star traditionally is that person plays a variation of what we're used to. Yeah, they have a window in which they uh, play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a window, you know? You know, obviously, you know, there's a Barbara Stanwyck moment, you know, and like Double Indemnity where someone plays against type. But this wasn't even playing against type, you know? This was just, it was just, it felt very weird and muted. Uh, for Uma Thurman, but if it was her audition to play Daniel Craig's sister in Knives Out Three, then <laughs> then I'm okay with it. It's kind of it kind of reminds us <laughs> when we were talking about um, Kim Cattrall in roles that aren't uh, Sex in the City. It's like she specifically doesn't yes. want to be Samantha, so she's making these choices that are supposed to not remind you of her previous roles. But it's like you're not mm-hmm. tapping into your power in a way by doing these. Like these detour type roles, like when she was on Queer as Folk, for example, and also played someone with Kira, a New Orleans accent. Excuse me, uh, Kira Sedgwick would have been great. Yes, or you know, honestly, you know who would have been great, Miss Holly Hunter, who, by the way, is routinely uh, hilarious. If you have okay, yes. here's a movie nobody uh, remembers that our our pal Diablo Cody wrote and directed. It's called Paradise. With um, it's Russell Brand and Julianne Huff and Octavia Spencer, and in a very small role, Holly Hunter plays the mother of Julianne Huff, who is like a religious woman who teaches yoga. That. She has one fucking line in that that is so hilarious and so weird. I don't know how she landed on this delivery. Please look this up. Um, anyway, I haven't spoken to Diablo in like a week and a half. Please text me. I miss you. Moving on. You know, I have a hard relationship with Holly Hunter. You know, stole Angela Bassett's Oscar, right. et cetera. But I do love Holly. Yeah. I do love her. Haven't seen her in a minute. Miss Holly. She was on Succession somewhat recently. Oh, I will say, do you know who I think sure. gives the best supporting performance in Red, White, and Royal Blue? I am not kidding. Rachel Maddow. 
Rachel Maddow is kind of great in this film. She was too convincing doing fake news. It was like, it was a little, it was illustrating something to me. It was like, you can make everything seem real. And this is, you're literally talking about a prince hooking up with the son of an American president. It's just pure gossip, something she would never really talk about on her show. And she is reporting it like it is hard news. It was for real acting. I I found it almost jarring. Wow. Well, don't you think that was just confirmation that everything that we know about the deep state is real? <laughs> Are there any two funnier words than deep state? <laughs> Where are all the problems reaching from? Oh, you know, the deep state. Oh, well, let me go there. Hold on. Let me get out ways. <laughs> you get there and it's just LL Cool J singing his song from Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh my God, LL Cool J's acting career. Is he still on NCIS? Probably. Okay. No way of knowing. Uh, oh, by the way, I did like the gay sex in this movie. I did think that scene was hot. Yeah, I did like the gay sex too. Yes. I thought that that was good. And I also think that like, I thought it was educational. I guess we talked about that already, you know, like the whole missionary thing, whatever. But honestly, like if it's it's a young adult book adaptation, if teenagers, you know, if like fresh college students are going to be watching this film, I think it was sweet enough, romantic enough, but I also think it was well done and kind of hot. I feel like that is the kind of seeds that younger gay people deserve to be able to see in film you know i know i mean Um, like in a way like i feel bad that like gay filmmakers probably feel like they have to teach things to audiences like just not really the point of a movie you know but at the same time it's like i think back to my own upbringing it's like i learned more from stumbling on some random angel fire page about gay sex than i did from four years of health class you know what i mean and i I mean i I still feel like that's probably the case for a lot of kids so i mean if they're going to see it somewhere this is I don't know about cool way to receive it, but like at least it like sets you up on a journey to learn more about the realities of being gay. Yeah. Um, And honestly, I thought that the direction in the film was good. They moved it along. Matthew Lopez did a good job. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was his directorial debut. I certainly liked it better than his play, The Inheritance. It is. Uh, that's a tough play. It's a tough play. It's also a lot of play. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You thought the coast of Utopia was long. <laughs> this was, this was the whole, con- like, the inheritance <laughs> is the whole continent. The continent of Utopia. <laughs> Lots of peninsulas in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the coast of Utopia. Long ass play. Yeah, right. Some of them are. Uh, Tom Stoppard. You know what he doesn't do? Stop. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I had forgotten he directed this. Yeah, interesting. Um, And you saw Uh, Passages, by the way, the new uh, uh, gay-ish movie with Ben Whishaw, right? Yes, from Iris Axe. Let me tell you something. There is fucking in that movie. Oh, yeah? Is Ben Uh, doing it? Yes. That's Gregory Little Thing? Let's put that ass to work. There are like three sex scenes in the film. The one with Ben Wishaw and Fran Rogowski is one of the hottest sex scenes I've ever seen in a film. Truly. Iris Axe's um, direction of this film, you know, well, first of all, the movie's NC-17. Well, got that. And I think maybe it's non-rated now, but uh, obviously because of the gay sex in it, it is so interesting to describe it just because it is... um, it's not directed in sort of a uh, 
pan ins or anything. It's very much sort of like the the camera is situated in one spot. You can't Ooh. even see really all of their faces or bodies. It's just it's very much. It's a film that's so sexy in the way that it just frames people's bodies, even when the sex scene isn't happening, just like the way people are framed at a party, the way people are framed when they're dancing, when they're moving, when they're not moving. Uh, I think it's a really exciting film. But no, the 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 sex scene is... The sex scene is almost only fans love all. I, I, that's what it sounds like. If the camera's like kind of fixed in one place and you're sort of... It, there's like a kind of yeah. uh, fly it's in the room vibe. Yeah. Um, and also found out that Ben Wishaw is really good friends with PJ Harvey, who I am obsessed with. And... That just makes me more into him as a person. Actually, I'm getting hmm. a little stalkery about Ben Wishaw, and this will be a good <laughs> this will be a good in for me. I think you're gonna love him in this. I I did I did not see that I did not see that in Ben Wishaw. Let's just say <laughs> that, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, but passages, you know. Uh, first of all, what the other actor opposite him, uh, Fran uh, Rogowski, this German actor who was in this movie, um, Great Freedom which I fucking love. It's set in post-war Germany, you know, where being gay is illegal. Uh, and it's it's about this man who's arrested, um, you know, in sort of like a gay raid um, and goes to prison um, and meets someone in prison uh, and they have a relationship there. Um, and I think it's, um, I normally hate that type of movie because it like stresses me out, but it's so good. Oh, cool. And he's so good. Um Iris Hacks is a really good director. Um, I loved him. I loved Ben. I loved Adele Exarchopoulos. She's in Blue is the Warmest Color. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's great. I would honestly say that this film is, obviously it's getting a lot of, you know, um, attention because of the sex scene. You know, it's a very sexy film. You could call this film um, the worst person in the world. Uh, interesting. It's very much in a vibe with that film. Great It's movie. very much... It's very much insularly focused on Fred's character. He's the lead. He's a film director. Um, and how controlling he is with relationships. Um, obviously, the conceit of the film is he's in a relationship with Ben Wishaw. Uh, and then he has an affair um, with Adele. Um, and then it's about their relationship, the three of their relationship, as that continues, you know, and him going back to Ben, or is he going to go back to her? And, you know, it's, it's very... Um, it's very sort of like honest depiction. Okay, I'm seeing of, this ASAP. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's very much just like the lead and the worst person in the world. Oh. And he, <laughs> uh, so I love that film. All right, it sounds like there's a little bit more gritty reality in this than, shall we say, Red, White, and Royal Blue, which, you know. Yeah, I will say lastly about that, though, like in the differences that I've read between the book and stuff, you know, I feel like sort of ironing out the edges like made it nice. Like I get, you know, like wanting to make it – um you know, almost hallmarky for younger gay people. But I don't know. I feel like it needed a bit more of a hard edge to really be great. You know, I mean, there's obviously the predictability factor that comes with like the cliches of a rom-com, but like so much predictability really sort of hurt it. You know, I mean, there's obviously the, the one of the biggest changes is just the fact that, um, he, Alex has this previous relationship with, you know, sort of this journalist who's sort of like the one who like, you know, it's like leaks the relationship to the press because uh, he is the press and sort of outs him. But uh, in the book, he has a mentor 
um, who is older um, because, and also the kids are aged up. He's an undergrad in the book. Um, and he has an older mentor that he has like a sexual relationship with. Mm. And that mentor sort of switches to the opposition side and is one of the people who leaks that information. So I feel like taking out a lot of the politics of the book sort of hurts. Yeah, defanged it a bit. Yeah. Defanged it a bit. Um, And lastly, Casey McQuinston, did you know that she is a famous Taylor Swift hater? Get out. I don't know that I've ever heard of a famous Taylor Swift hater other than, you know, like the Kanye's, et cetera. If you like look it up online, like there, there are just tweets from like years ago where she's just like, every tweet is about the fact that like, she hates Taylor Swift and she thinks it's fun to hate Taylor Swift and she wants to take the piss out of like celebrities and you know, why not just hate Taylor Swift? It's like, it's over the top comical how much she hates Taylor Swift. I will say this. I, I came to a realization recently about what it will take for me to stand Taylor Swift. And I think I have it. What if she keeps releasing mm. Taylor's versions, but of albums that are not hers? What if she just goes and coming out now, <laughs> Lemonade, Taylor's version. <laughs> I had some notes on the original and I know what I want to contribute. Get ready for mommy lessons from Taylor Swift to pimp a butterfly. Taylor's version featuring Haim. Her version of lemonade would be crystal light. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle a little packet in there. Yeah. Uh, NWA Taylor's version. <laughs> Straight out of Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. When we are back, we're joined by Punky Johnson and Dicey to talk about their podcast, Love Thing. Keep It is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Well, check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just weekend lounging. Doing nothing, you look great in Viore. The woman's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of the new colors before they sell out, and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high-waist, drawstring tie, and upgraded no-slip fit. For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy-lined athletic short out there. Am I wearing one right now? Who's to say? and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. I wear this stuff all the time. I love to work out, and I need to be comfortable while I do it. There's something about the cling of the short on the thigh that is essential for me, and Viore provides it. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash keep it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash keep it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash keep it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. It was also pretty boring, by the way. To The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and made to compete in a beauty pageant. Amazing to watch, by the way. 
On each episode of Wondry's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition for women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then they were ranked by a panel of judges. And that's just after Truman Capote was done with them. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shimerda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories and Black truths. Black stories haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. And by us, I mean me and Lewis. <laughs> I'm Black, you're tan. <laughs> oh, that's extremely generous of you. <laughs> I look like I belong in Portrait of a Lady, honey. It's like deep white. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to sex, love, and relationships, our guests today have heard it all. They're writers, comedians, BFFs, and the host of this hilarious relationship podcast called Love Thing. Welcome to Keep It, the incredible and dynamic Punky Johnson and Dicey. Yo. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here. I have been, I have been binging Love Thing. Uh, and first of all, I just want to say I love the title. I, it, feels very, it feels very like a, you know, Sierra 2000 song to me, yeah. you know? Wait, there is a song from like the 80s or something called like Love Thing, right? Uh, Love Thing. Anyway, I'll look it up. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking it up myself. (laughs) Trying to get like a feel for what type, what the song should feel like. You know what I'm saying? But then I just Mm -hmm. decided to just be ghetto and just rip it from from the beat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell me about both of you, how you linked up for this podcast and also what interests you about you know talking to people about their love lives because me personally when i'm hearing my friends talk about their love lives i get up and leave the room (laughs) all right well honestly for me um it's just like a therapy for me man i i i just my divorce was just final not too long ago so it's kind of therapeutic just sitting up here just just talking about it and going through it I'm kind of starting to see all the mistakes that I made in my marriage instead of pointing a finger and I'm holding myself accountable for a lot of shit and I'm I'm fixing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, nine times out of ten, I really kind of don't know what I'm talking about. I'm really just talking off some ghetto experience. 
<laughs> like it's not no it's not like no doctor advice you know I ain't never read the book for this shit I just went through it so everything I do say it be coming from the heart though you know what I'm saying even if even if it's dumb and ghetto it's still coming from the heart <laughs> yeah I, I love that I love that Dicey what about you um, me and Frankie have a really interesting friendship that I document on my you on my um, Instagram stories. And when I have her on there, so many people comment, people comment on her page like, y'all need a show, y'all need a show, y'all are just crazy. So when XM approached her about a podcast, we kind of just put something together. Uh, we wanted to talk about something that we were just highly unqualified to talk about. <laughs> the subject was very unqualified. Um, but it's fun and it's, you know, we, we're older. We have, we've all been through, I'm going through a divorce right now. Um, and you know, we have, uh, a lot of insight on love and just from our perspectives. And I, and it's, I think it's just interesting for them to hear our banter as well as just our crazy thoughts on love. So, yeah. I mean, is it crazy that, I mean, the, the podcast is so fun, but like these divorces are such fresh experiences. Do you ever find yourself like hesitant to bring up like details that would otherwise help a listener or something uh i mean like do you feel like oh i shouldn't talk about that ever i'm still not ready to talk about it she gonna be ready i'm getting her ass ready (laughs) see dicey going what dicey going through is fresh see my Mm. i've been going through this for years and years and years the only reason why my divorce finally got final is because i was been chasing my wife my ex-wife for two years (laughs) So I'm just, you know, I'm just like, bitch, where you at? Sign these papers because California got some crazy laws to where it just took a long time to get it done. But mm-hmm. I'm ready to talk. But baby girl, it's all fresh for her. She's still hand, she's still going through the motions. But we're going to help Dicey. I don't want you to cry right now, so I'm going to shut up. Girl, shut up. You know I'm not about to cry. With your little punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> Divorce does seem like among the worst human experiences, though. Like, we've devised this, like, labyrinthine way to just separate two people that is endless and endless and endless. It just feels like like constant trauma. So I applaud you for being able to just be rad and fun on this podcast. Oh, yeah. People think people think marriage, yeah, they do say for better or for worse. But they don't say for better or for worse, worse. You know what I'm saying? Once we get the two worses, I'm out. I got to go. <laughs> Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I stay. I made a promise to God. He get it. He get it. Yeah, he probably told I, you not to do it in the first place and your ass wasn't listening. Exactly. <laughs> I had a lot of guilt at first about being separated and everything because my parents have been married for 51 years. You know, just like, and it's just, but you, you got to be happy at the end of the day. You just got to be happy. You can't stay just because your parents, because of, you know, some other shit that mm-hmm. happened generations ago and how they used to believe. And, you know, it's not the same anymore. So, yeah. I feel like, you know, even the decision to end a marriage is a sort of like, you know, we make we have to make decisions like this sort of like every day. I mean, like whether it's, you know, like a long term friendship or whether, you know, it's like, you know, you break it up with, you know, like your nail person or something, you know, like it's uh, yeah. what goes into the process of like really deciding that a relationship should be over, you know, whether it's a marriage or otherwise. You getting deep. Oh, you asking the questions. Come on, questions. I mean, <laughs> like, was, when you know, simple. like, it's done. I don't want to argue anymore. You know. It was simple for me. This what this, this what this what I could tell people, right? Mm-hmm. When people, I feel like you got to notice certain things. You got to notice habits. Because if, if what you're doing is a habit and it's creating toxic, toxic, toxicity up in here, 
you can't, it's hard for you to break habits. This means this is just who you are, and you got to find somebody that's going to accept that shit. So I spent years <laughs> waiting for my wife to change these habits. And before I knew it, it had been seven, eight years. I'm like, oh, this bitch, this is just who you are. And I just been waiting for you to become something that you ain't going to become. So it just became real easy for me. The, the day I walked out was, it was like a month after COVID. I had no job. We had no income coming in. And then boo cool money was missing out my bank account. And I don't mm. have, I never checked the bank account because I'm like, we ain't spending no money. So I ain't got to check it. And then one day I just went and checked it. I mean, it's all kinds of money gone. I'm like, bitch, what you been doing with the money? She was like, that's my business. And I just, I left. At that point, I'm like, we out. Because you ain't doing mm. nothing to help this family while we sitting up here and we, at, and we at odds. You spending the money? And then you don't want to tell me what you spending at all? Bitch, I got to go. That was my last straw. <laughs> And I pulled about uh, 675 straws. <laughs> it's like that game Kerplunk. The marbles fell after you pulled the 98th straw. <laughs> you know, I tried to hang in there, man. Because, you know, like Dicey said, we stayed in there. Like, her, her purpose was generational. You know, I had been knowing my girl since high school. So I'm mm. staying for the history of it. You know, my first love. I didn't know how to adjust. Who gonna love me? And talking all that bullshit. Yeah. And I had to snap out of that. Now, I mean, mm. like, the nature of this podcast is you're giving advice to other people, but do you find yourselves learning things about each other as you do this podcast? Have you been surprised by one another at all? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> you know, people thought that it was going to be the exact... We were going to be the exact opposite on this podcast. They thought I was going to be the logical one that, like... But it just seems like all the DMs and all the responses we've been getting, people are like, wow, Dicey, I didn't know you were this cutthroat, or wow, I didn't know you... Like, do you hate this one guy? He was like, do you hate men? How So how long have you hated men? He asked me this every single day for like three days straight. He just and without me at answering, he just kept asking the same question. Like, I, that's not how I mean to come across. So, you know, I've been listening to the episodes trying to figure out why people think that about me. And if so many people have said that, then is it something true to that? You know? Yeah. Talk to your energy healer. Yeah. Go talk to her. <laughs> Hating us is valid. People really been saying be I'm the logical one. When I'm, you know, <laughs> it, it really, it was really, it was it. supposed to be opposite. We, the way we, our vision was for it to be opposite because I do be coming up with some off the wall, crazy type shit. But you know, I've been healing. I've been in therapy. So a lot of things have, you know, changed inside of me. So, you know, my conversations are different now. Mm -hmm. I'd like to suggest that the person who DM'd you three times in a row, do you hate men, is um, fucking psychotic and he hates women. So that's just exactly. my <laughs> my take on that. Like, why aren't you paying attention to me? Why aren't you answering my obviously insulting question? <laughs> yeah. My my dog don't don't hate men. She just, At she all. just to the point. Like, I just got out of the divorce. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to the bag. I ain't got time for your <laughs> foolishness. What's up? Like, that's kind of yeah. how she come across. Like, she ain't got time because she don't. Who got time for the bullshit now? Also, I mean, you, you, you will get used to this, too, as the podcast goes on. Like, as, you know, we've noticed for, like, six years of doing this, like, people love to have conversations with themselves in your DMs. And, like, there are plenty of people when you look, it's like, you have been asking a question. You have been, resp like, basically responding to yourself or, like, there, <laughs> people have in-jokes with me for a conversation that I have never responded to for, like, four years. I'm like, well, I'm glad you're entertaining yourself. I would say diaries exist. I mean, I would, <laughs> I would invest, you know. 
Go get the you, yeah, get the address, Dyson, and send them some journals. Right. <laughs> People be yeah. wild, man. People be wild. They, you're right. I got paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff in my DMs about stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. But people just need someone to talk to sometimes, you know? And I feel like that, I mean, like, that's also why relationship advice, you know, works for people. Because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes people just, sometimes I feel like people know an answer, but they really just want someone to, someone to tell them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that when you talk to even friends, yeah. you know, it's very much, do they just want to have, you know, something confirmed for them or are they really looking for advice? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people just want some non-bias. You know, look, sometimes it's helpful to talk to a stranger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love when people can like just feel, like I was in the airport the other day, man, I just met this stranger, right? <laughs> and I was just dealing with something and she just come up to me. She was like, I know you. I know you. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, I, that's my name. I'm Punky, blah, blah, blah. She just grabbed my hand. She was like, you look like you need one of these. And she gave me this big long hug. And oh. it, it, I don't, I was, I, it broke me down. I was like, lady, get your fucking hands off me. <laughs> I ain't got time to be up in this airport emotional. How did you know I was going through something? Yeah, was this Della Reese? Who does that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she was the sweetest old white lady. It was just crazy how she felt that energy. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, go mm. on, little lady. Go on. <laughs> I am wow. always going through something at the airport, though. So I feel like anyone who run, runs across me at the airport would be like, I'm going through something. Uh, but that's a lovely moment. To, which airport? If I'm not mistaken, I was coming from Indiana. Okay. Oh, the fr- friendly Midwest, sure. And in Indiana, yeah, they're yeah. doing a lot of buying fireworks, so they need some social yeah. interactions <laughs> there. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what about y'all? What, what you? What y'all? What type of relationship y'all in? What y'all doing? Yeah. Um, um, I, um, as in, as in relationships like sexually, what we're in, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't stutter. What you doing? Oh, I want to know what's <laughs> well, going on with you. Okay. Talk about your summer situationship, Lewis. Oh God, I, I'm like pulling my necktie like I'm the white guy in the baby got back video. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I, I met a guy uh, a month and a half ago uh, in Fire Island who's a doll, and uh, I, uh, but he lives in New York and I live here. I don't date, really. I, my life's a one-player game. I, I, I'm like Tomb Raider. I, I come into every situation, you know, excited for an adventure and um, solo, you know, and then I take my backpack and my fancy boots and I leave. Okay. <laughs> all right. We all got our preferences. I like that. Mm-hmm. But you don't, you don't like getting too serious or... No, I think I'm... I, uh, uh, I don't know. I like spending more of my time. I, I just want to be funny. I just want to like be an ambitious, funny person. That's it. And then like, if there's a relationship, maybe. But honestly, when I heard that Whoopi Goldberg quote, I just don't want someone in my house. That woman infected my brain. I should not have heard that quote because I so agree. I just agree. Like, who who wants to hear something like rustling in the kitchen when you're in the bathroom? It's like there's an intruder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that That is a very, very true statement. I love living alone. I've I've always I've always like especially after my marriage I think that if I get married again I want two separate houses bitch I'm gonna see let's go on, let's just keep dating and courting but at night I'm a highlight <laughs> yes <laughs> what could be better it's so whimsical and then you get your own life to yourself I don't know it's again yeah. it, it also boils down to like sleeping in the same bed like beds are warm what is happening here why are we doing this why are we touching each other like I, I don't need to know your sweat content. 
<laughs> Do I sound psychotic? Yeah, you can tell me. Yeah. No, no, no. It's I sweat when I sleep. I mean, the room could be fifty-two degrees. I I still be hot. Right. So yeah. I get it. And you? What about you? You ain't getting out of this easy. Uh, you know what? I I I am not in a relationship, but I feel like I am sort of the opposite of Lewis in that I am. You know, Lewis is on his Tomb Raider mission, and I feel like I am on, like, a... I walk into a room, and then it's like... I I will become quickly, like, obsessed with someone or very into someone, um, sort of intensely, and then it'll just sort of go away. Yeah. So, I, you know? I, just, I was just talking to my therapist about that. I was like, am I, like, the one-and-a-half, two-year person and then out? Because I don't... You know, I like dating around sometimes and playing and mm-hmm. you know being a hoe but sometimes I like to be settled in and dating someone consistently but I feel like like after the two year mark I'd be like I won't do this no more no I feel like th- there should be more of a culture set up around that about the idea of like a not like a somewhat permanent relationship or like something that goes on and then there's like an out somehow like you have to yes. you, mm-hmm. you, you know you, you have to end it no matter what um, yeah. yeah, hard out. Two years, hard out. I feel like my longest was five months. Um, and that's as far as we go. Although, I will say that this person that I did date last year for five months is still around. Not in that we're dating. Uh, I met him through a mutual friend. Mm. So... I'm still like I'm still around that person all the time, you know. Okay. And sometimes when like we're at a concert, or you know, like we're on Fire Island together, or we're at a party, you know, it's like we're all there as a group. And I'm like, it is nice being around this person, but I don't know about dating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so y'all just being naughty, basically. Yeah, but well, you know, I I also I that's, also made the decision that's what's that we really should, going on. <laughs> I also made a decision that we should not anymore. You know, we should just be friends. Uh, but I don't know. I think the problem is that I am thirty six. Uh, you're actually thirty seven. Moving on. I just heard thirty seven. You, you know what, Ooh. Lewis? <laughs> Sorry, the journalism Lewis and I degree the same came age. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, turned 37 a couple weeks ago, uh, and they are 26. Ooh, I could tell you a lot about that. I'm seeing somebody I that's know. 10 and a half years younger than me, and I'd be like... Yeah, you know, and it's 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 not like a... It's not an annoying 26. They, um, they are an exec at a company. Very professional, but, you know, it's still very... In my mind, that it just I can't be that person. You know, when you guys are giving advice, do you find yourself taking a different tone when talking to straight and gay people? No, I talk to everybody the same way. Mm. Everybody, everybody, because I I just feel like, yeah, we all straight, we all gay or whatever we are. But I feel like our hearts and our minds align kind of the same regardless. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we've had a topic yet that's just been like straight specific or gay specific, but Mm. we've had. You know, and, and there probably are instances like that, you know, uh, we just haven't explored them yet. But that's something that Punky was really careful about. She didn't want this to turn into like a gay podcast or a straight podcast or be about her being gay all the time. You know, so um, it, she's already coming from a gay perspective. She's speaking from that because she is. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just feel like with the podcast, the more open that, you know, I just want everybody to feel comfortable. It's a, it's a safe zone with us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't want the straight people saying, oh, it's, you know, it seems gay. So I don't think I should, you know, put in my two cents or ask them nothing because they ain't going to. No, 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 no. Come on, everybody, let's talk about all of it. Let's not yeah. be shy. I love the idea of a straight person tuning in and saying, this seems gay. Like, a, yeah. <laughs> you're a real detective. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening, though, to an episode about side chicks, um, the ones that y'all just did. And I will say, that seems, I feel like gays have, especially men, have are, are more attuned to having multiple side chicks as opposed to, you know, I don't know if a woman would allow a lot of the side chicks appearing in her life from a man. Uh, or maybe I'm wrong, you know? Maybe side chick culture um, is very prevalent. It's democratized, uh, shall we say. You know, yeah, maybe it is. I, I, you know what? Now that you say that, like when I deal with straight women, they mm-hmm. do not entertain the idea of me stepping outside. Mm-hmm. But when I deal with gay women, they always have more of an open mind of mm-hmm. me intertwining and mixing with another person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I never really thought about it at that angle. And I need to stop fucking with these straight hoes. <laughs> These closed-minded bitches. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, 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 unless you're, you're straight, you know, I feel like you got to be, you know, like sort of like a mob wife or something. You know, like Carmela Soprano is okay with the side chicks, you mm. know? Uh, I feel like for for straight culture, it's very much, they don't want to see it. They, you know, they, they maybe they'll know about it. And, you know, in theory, but, like, they don't want to see it. They don't want that person, they don't want the side chick around them, you know, as opposed right. to, you know, gay people, you know, like, the, the side chick might, might be at the party with you. They might come to dinner. You know, I had a very interesting take on a podcast. A lot of people hit me in my DMs and was like, don't you promote that. And I was just like, you know, some people need to loosen up because sometimes the side chick can keep a relationship together. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that. You know? I know it. I know it's very strange, and sometimes it could be a little hard to hear. But yeah, I I know a lot of relationships that are very happy and well off because somebody had a side chick or a side dude or whatever they had, because they don't want nothing from you. Yeah, you know, they just want to just they. It's it's like their job to give you a relief. So it's like let your partner go off and be relieved, and then come back to the hooting and hollering. <laughs> now that now they so just peaceful and calm and in their calmness, they ain't even listening to your ass. <laughs> yeah, you just outsource a couple of needs to this other person, you know. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I be- I believe uh, in it. I believe yeah. in it. You know, I, I I it's very hard for me. I'm specifically dealing with somebody right now. I'm trying to talk her into it. I'm like, listen, you're gonna mm. have to let me go outside sometimes. I just don't think it's natural to be with just one person for life. Yeah. I think people can do it, but the majority mm-hmm. of people cheat. The majority of people either have a side bitch or have or are the side bitch. Like, mm-hmm. and if yeah. we could just yeah. all keep it open and transparent, and like really understand yeah. the real, being realistic about it, because I, I, I mean, they do have people that do believe that in monogamy and you could be with one person for the rest of your life. But are they fucking delusional? Maybe. No, I think some people really can do that. Yeah, no, that's that's giving Bo and Hope, you know, that's days of our lives. I don't, yeah. and even they, and even they got divorced and yeah. died, and all this <laughs> other stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank y'all for being here. Oh yeah, this was fun. Oh my this god, you guys! Yeah, uh, let's let's just collab more often. Let's. I'll, I'll take yeah. some questions too, and you can correct my answers. Yeah, I loved having you here because I never, I never get, I never get Lewis talking about a man. Oh no, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like Prince or something, but he's not exactly my man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got it out you, Lewis. <laughs> I thought I was the journalist. No, you're the Diane Sawyer here. Ah! Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Here, our waters are splashing and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Well, as you know, I have a medical issue where I have to keep playing games all the time or I'll spin out and pass away. And today... You're like Jigsaw. Yeah, precisely. Uh, that's my mom. Uh, <laughs> today's game is called Who's Older? It's very simple. You name two celebrities and you have to reason out who you think is the older one. And you look like a fool mm -hmm. if you lose. And I guess I have a fetish for looking like a fool and losing games on this podcast, too. So I'm going to be indulging that a bit, too. <laughs> Uh, Ira, shall I give the first challenge to you? Yeah. Okay, very good. I'm going to start with the older set. Morgan Freeman and Lily Tomlin. Mm. Okay. Let me think about this one. Okay, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> In the late 90s, Morgan Freeman was running around with Ashley Judd. You know, helping her solve crimes. Yes. Kiss the girls and high crimes. But I recently learned that, like, in Double Jeopardy, Ashley Judd was, like, 26. Mm. So, or, like, 28. Something. She was in her late 20s. So, Morgan Freeman was probably only in his 40s. And Lily Tomlin 
was in Nine to Five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that movie, she was around 30-something. Maybe late 30s. Even though she seemed older. But that's, you know, older movies always make people seem older. Right, right. Namely around in the 80s, yes. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Lily Tomlin is older than Morgan Freeman. You're starting off on the wrong foot. Unfortunately, Morgan Freeman was born in 1937. He actually is older than I thought. Um, and, ah. and Lily Tomlin is born in 39. Jane Fonda is also born in 37. I, I always remember that uh, Lily is a little bit younger than Jane. But um, no, Morgan Freeman 37. is... 37? Yeah. M- Morgan Freeman is oh. up there. I recently looked up Michael Jim Caine. Jim Crow hadn't even hatched yet. <laughs> Mor- <laughs> Michael Caine was born in 1933. This man is 90 years old this year. People are just getting mm. up there. I'm really frightened for everybody. I just want to say also that this game gets you into the mindset of me, who has an obsession over when things happen year-wise. And it's good to know celebrities' yeah. birth years, because as you know, everybody's age is constantly changing, but their birth year does not change. So um, mm. pick some coordinates that help you, that like center you. Like Madonna, 1958. Um, in fact, Madonna turned 65 in two days. And then the day after, Belinda Carlisle turned 65. Um, Tom Cruise, born in 1962. Pick a couple of favorites so that you can compare other celebrities' ages to them. Sarah Jessica Parker, 1965. Well, I know that Tom Cruise was born July 3rd, 1962. Uh, the ultimate July birthday. I've always loved the fact that he's in Born on the 4th of July, but he was born the day before the 4th of July. Yeah, like most things we know about him, it's a lie. Yes. <laughs> okay, hit me. I'm ready to do this. Okay. I have Viola Davis. Okay, great. And Brad Pitt. Viola Davis is definitely born in about... She, she's between 1964 and 1966, for sure. Um, Brad Pitt, so we're talking about when he debuts in Thelma and Louise in 1991. Got to be like 20... They, I think they're pretty close. I think they're pretty close. I'm going to say... Ooh, that's really hard. I think you set me up with a hard one. I... Mm-hmm. Viola Davis is probably about 57 years old, I'm going to say. And Brad Pitt is, I'm going to say, is like a year older. I'll say Brad Pitt is older than Viola Davis. You are correct. Thank God. This is why I come to this podcast, to be correct about Brad Pitt and Viola Davis. (laughs) Was I right on the ages? Is she 57? She is 58. Okay. She's a Leo, born August 11th, 1965. Happy birthday, Viola Davis. Why haven't you been on Keep It? Jesus. What else are you doing? I see this woman on Kimmel. She's hilarious. Uh, I'm funny. Come here. Well, why don't you approach her? Okay. <laughs> she would be frightened. <laughs> uh, and Brad Pitt was born in 1963. Okay. That's that's about right. That's about right. Brad Pitt's early career in the early 90s when those movies like California, Cool World. There's a lot of weird shit in his past. There's, there's a lot of weird, weird shit in his present. <laughs> that's true. We can't even work through that. <laughs> all right next one uh let's see here i haven't even looked this up one up yet jennifer lawrence mm, uh-huh. and the star of red white and royal blue taylor zacher perez <laughs> timely um i'm gonna go with jennifer lawrence and why are you gonna do that well i feel like the leads of that movie are in their 20s Definitely. And I specifically know that Jennifer Lawrence is 33. And why do you know that? Because because she turned 33 two days ago. No. Today? Oh, it's right now, August 15th. Today's her birthday. Yeah. Today's She's her birthday. Leo too? I didn't know that. 
Um, yeah. You are correct. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence is 33. That's correct. <laughs> and Taylor Zachary Perez is 31, actually. Oh. Looking spry, if I do yes. say so myself, during his gay sex. Oh, and that man is straight. I also is he? I, I that's one of those people where I type in is both he of them gay? are straight, and then the Google is like Taylor Zachary Perez has never really said one way or the other. He, I was like, that means he's straight. Come on, mm, yeah, Ugh, both of them so both both so gay seeming though. So uh, I get it. Uh, no, it's it's pretty good casting, but and also that guy looks so. Just certain people truly look like Disney princes. He like the the size of yeah. his eyes even. I mean, put him entangled. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Today, I did know that today is Jennifer Lawrence's birthday. Uh, a strong 33. Happy, happy birthday, J Law. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I probably saw that this morning while in or last night while scrolling and mm-hmm. it just sort of seeped into my brain. Um, and by the way, we, we've said this before No Hard Feelings, loved it. If you haven't seen it yet, yeah. go see No Hard Feelings. Uh, as soon as that movie hits streaming, I, I will probably watch it several times. Mm hmm. Um, okay. New person. Diddy. Oh, okay. I'm there. That's tough. All right. And Matthew McConaughey. I think Matthew McConaughey is younger than you think. Even though he's, his career started in the early to mid-90s, he was very young then. Diddy, this is what I'm going off of, and I don't feel good about it. Diddy, I feel like, is around the age of Jennifer Lopez, who I'm is, mm. is the late 60s. And I feel like Matthew McConaughey might be the early 70s even. So I'm going to say Diddy is older than Matthew McConaughey. That's a trick question. Are they born the same day? They sure were. No way! Wow. They're both 53, and they were both born November 4th, 1969. Wow. Also, don't do that to me again. I look like a fool. <laughs> there was no win for me there. But but you all you soak in information. Yeah, oh, like I'll a keep it. Sponge. I'll remember. So it. like now you know Diddy and Matthew McConaughey born on the same day. There are a couple other famous examples of people born in the same day, namely Madonna and Angela Bassett, August sixteenth, nineteen fifty eight. We I think we talked about that before. I would love to see Bassett Madonna, <laughs> like <laughs> like a film a film about their progression. <laughs> Uh, and another one I remember is Meryl Streep and Elizabeth Warren, which also just feels cosmically correct somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, M- Meryl Streep will probably play her. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, who else? Who would play Elizabeth Warren? I feel like that's more a a little bit more Annette Benning, honestly, though she's done too much in the biopic realm recently. That's fair. Yeah, M- Meryl Streep would play her a bit more funny than mm-hmm. serious. Honestly, she was fucking great in Don't Look Up. Uh, yeah, not my favorite of hers, but she was definitely a highlight of that labyrinthine movie. <laughs> Should I throw one more at you before we move on to uh, the rest of this? Yeah. Let's see here. Okay, I am going to give you, let me think here, Cardi B mm. and Timothy Chalamet. Bellicus. <laughs> I know that she is. <laughs> you rarely hear her referred to by her birth name. Yes. <laughs> I love that name. And I like that she likes, she finds it funny when people call her that as mm-hmm. opposed to Doja Cat. Don't call me by my name. I'm like, okay, Pink. Pink hates that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh my God. So in Market Days over the weekend, a lot of that is right around Wrigley Field. Pink was performing there over mm-hmm. the weekend. So you constantly heard pink songs bellowing out of the arena it felt like you were in a giant cvs anyway okay i am always shocked by the fact that cardi 
like when I remember when she first came out, like was in her mid twenties. And I know that Timmy was at NYU right before. I'm gonna go with he is older, but I think only by like a year. I think he's like twenty seven. Because I think he's older than Zendaya, who I know is 26. Because I know Zendaya is, I know Zendaya is born 96. And I think Timmy was born maybe 95. And I think Cardi is either the same age as Zendaya or a year younger. Well, here's the thing. You're exactly right about Timothy Chalamet. He was born in 1995. He's 27. Cardi B is 30. She's 30 now. You were right that she started in her mid-20s. You didn't do the math I, sh- I should have. I should have had at the time. These are the skills you build when you play this game. Yeah. See? You're learning. She's probably 25. Where's my brain? If she was 25 when she was doing when like Invasion of Privacy came out, then of course she's like 30 now. Right, That's so right. fucking long ago. Yeah. No, right. But Bodak Yellow is like an old song now. Yes. Um, but okay. anyway, so if you have specific challenges like this, I guess send them to me. And then maybe, I don't know, speaking for myself, maybe I'll just make videos where I like reason it out for hours and hours. Um, But uh, I can't explain Uh, it. Something in this game really ignites me. I love to play it. And uh, uh, do it with your friends and upset them. You know what else might shock you? Hmm. Same age. Ryan Gosling and Kim K. Interesting. Uh, Another one that's interesting is Ryan Gosling is born the same year as Macaulay Culkin, which... Hmm. It's just like, obviously, Macaulay Culkin occurred way before Ryan Gosling did, but they're the same age. And then, I guess, Kim K is born the same year, too. They're both 1980. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christina Ricci, yeah. 1980. But yes. it makes sense, I suppose, you know, because obviously, yes, Macaulay Culkin happened as a kid. Um, and then I feel like right as Macaulay Culkin was aging into teenagedom, that's when Ryan Gosling was in, like, Breaker High and mm-hmm. Young Hercules. So it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll find these connections and more in the game Who's Older. <laughs> I'm going to sell this somehow. I'm going to make a lot of money off this somehow. I don't know how. All right, well, we're back. Keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It, Lewis. Mm-hmm. What are you angry about this week? So much. Um, putting on my you ought to know anger for this one. Uh, first of all, I just want to say preemptive keep it to the season of fall, which is a classic keep it of mine go. on the show. Um, here we go. Six years in a row. Here we go. I'm back. <laughs> fall, as you know, is the funeral of summer. When people want fall to come, I ask you, do you really love close toed shoes that much? Do you really need to be wearing jeans that much? Summer is when we are most alive and vibrant. Why are there summer vacations? Because we want to be celebrating during the summer. So it's no one's like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's September 24th, time to go have the time of my life. You sound stupid. You sound like a goddamn animal. Um, I don't want it to come along. I don't want to be there. Fall in New York is sexy and romantic. I feel like I'm in the movie Serendipity. Okay, well, that's a medical disorder, and I'm sorry you have it, and I don't mean to make light of it. <laughs> but hold on. I, I can handle the concept of leaves two days. Honey, I'm over it. Girlfriend, keep that on a mural in the dentist's office. I don't need to be walking around in leaves. <laughs> You put that, that can be in the big picture of like a paddle wheel next to a cabin that's in your dentist's office. That's where I want the leaves. Otherwise, I don't need to be near that. Better keep it, more relevant keep it, I think has to go to this movie Maestro, which is the Mm. Leonard Bernstein biopic starring Bradley Cooper. Now, I'm just operating off a trailer we saw. I guess this would be more of a teaser 
where he and uh, he's obviously in Rick Baker like makeup as Leonard Bernstein. His wife in the movie is played by Carrie Mulligan. And in the trailer, they're having this whimsical moment where they're back to back sitting and kind of laughing and playing a game where they think of a number. Basically, it's like a game we would play on Keep It. Um, 48. <laughs> wrong. 13. <laughs> um, I found this boring for a couple of reasons. One, this movie to me right now seems like the lovely without the songs, which is mm. the composer is gay. The wife is devoted to him and they have some sort of connection despite the sexuality situation. Uh, mm -hmm. Secondly, Carrie Whit Mulligan in this trailer, the accent she's giving, Mama, she sounds like the Count. I don't know what she was going for. It's like Hepburnian, <laughs> but also the Count. So she is, uh, it's like, it's like mid-Atlantic, but also you're from Hungary. I have no idea what's happening. Uh, I Here's the thing. I hate the term Oscar bait. The reason movies mm -hmm. get Oscars is because I think they're probably about more relevant things. Like romance is something that can be deeply explored mm -hmm. in a movie. So when you're looking at this trailer, it's more likely going to be up for an Oscar than, say, a superhero movie, which is, you know, fast food. I'm sorry. Um, that said, it really does feel like a movie we've seen before. Like the theory of everything or something. Here's the difficult man. Mm -hmm. Here's the woman. We have this marriage. Um, and the score will be lovely. Every Netflix movie seems like a money laundering scheme at this point. <laughs> like, it, I feel like Gal Gadot is like in some like Netflix movie that's coming out. I was like, remember her? Remember how she was supposed to be Barbie in the Barbie movie? That's who uh, Margot Robbie, I believe, wanted initially. And then she, I guess, passed a mirror and said, oh, wait, I could be in the Barbie movie. <laughs> I feel like. Gal Gadot had other um, obligations and wasn't able to do it. You know, maybe she mm -hmm. was deployed that week. Okay, okay. I have, I absolutely knew it was going there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but like Timothy Chalamet is supposed to be in this war movie that's coming to Netflix. I'm just like, what are they doing over there? It's like how there's all these Hulu movies I've never heard of. Like there's a new Hulu movie with Emma Roberts. I'm like, did you mean to put this out? What, what like what happened here? <laughs> And when do they make these films? Would love to know. Is it a weekend? Probably. Yeah. It's like a 24-hour play competition. Yeah. Netflix just invites, <laughs> invites you to their invites you a to workshop. Netflix camp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot a movie over the weekend, and that's it. Take the bus home. Okay, Ira, what's your keep it? Okay. My keep it goes to Sean and Leanne Tui. Oh, God. The white family at the center of... The Blind Side, you know, that 2009 movie starring Sandra Bullock. Turns out it was all a lie. Michael Ower, the kid that they allegedly adopted in this film, they never actually adopted. And they really sort of tied him up in a conservatorship and were profiting off of the idea that they had adopted him for their foundations, making money from this movie making sure that their kids were also profiting off of this movie, and he didn't see a single fucking cent. This might be the whitest family of all time. If we had to rank them, <laughs> and believe me, I've tried. Uh, this is like slavery too, back in the head, <laughs> you know? Um, I... First of all, there are a lot of emotions that I feel coming from this. I feel like one 
I'm glad I never saw that bullshit movie. Like, oh, it's so good. I'm kidding. <laughs> nothing about that movie ever fucking appealed to me. You know? Uh, it was always giving white savior. And now it feels even more wicked. And also, I'm not shocked by this. Because do you remember this? I'm pretty sure we talked about this like the first year of Keep It. Um, Leanne Tui, do you remember the time that she... Uh, she owns like some KFC restaurants. Do you remember the time that she put on Facebook a photo with like two black teenagers and was like, uh, had this caption of like, a friend that I was with was like, I bet they're up to no good. And then I said, well, let's find out. And I slid into the booth next to them. And I was like, so what's going on here? And then they talked about how they needed bus fare to get to like some like sporting game and she gave them the money etc and then later the kids actually commented on this facebook picture that was going viral being like um we didn't need bus fare and this woman came over and just sort of like asked us to take a photo with her and we knew she was michael's mom so like we said okay uh, and had no idea about the caption that one of the friends was like, they look like they're up to no good, you know, making it seem like they were like criminals mm-hmm. or something. So the bitch has been a liar. Yeah. And I remember like that was going viral online around that time. And I was like, this is appealing exactly to the type of white person who went to see that fucking movie. Also, I just can't believe that movie is called The Blind Side now. Look at it. I mean, here we are in a blind side it's very crazy also i believe if i'm not mistaken that movie was nominated for best picture one of our lowest moments as a society i believe that is one of the lowest metacritic scores at least in the 21st century of um best picture nominees down there with like joker etc um people are also coming after sandra bullock for I, I guess whatever. Not doing her research, girl. She's not a private detective. It's, it's it would be crazy for to her to have <laughs> figured out the truth of Lee Ann Tui. It's an okay performance, not an Oscar caliber performance. Obviously, Meryl was up for Julie and Julia that year. That would have been a fine win, but okay. Well, Lewis, that is not what the net would lead me to believe. <laughs> that was, uh, of course, all journalistic fact. The movie, The Nut. <laughs> yeah, people are coming after Sandra Bullock. People are like return that Oscar. Oh, like girl. First of all, Sandra Bullock is going through a lot right now, so yeah. let's leave her alone. Yeah, she just lost her partner. Yeah, uh, that was like really depressing news uh, to hear because I was also literally just thinking about Sandra Bullock before that, and then the one-two punch of all the Sandra Bullock news like coming out like got me feeling like Clytemnestra over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that it it you know demanding that she come out and make a statement. Like the day the news dropped too was is very silly because also Sandra Bullock is not a celebrity who I would ever consider to be online. Right. Like she's grieving her partner for one. Two, even if she wasn't, do you think Sandra Bullock knows when her name is trending? Right. Ever? Uh- like I like I don't even know if, I don't even know if she got a damn computer. Or not after the net. <laughs> The one movie you've ever seen starring Sandra Bullock. Um, (laughs) Also, not that all celebrities aren't entitled to privacy, but Sandra Bullock in general is extremely entitled to privacy. One of the most horrifying stalker cases I've ever read about in celebrity history. So just keep that in mind, too. That's what the net was about. Okay. (laughs) Um, Gotta see this movie. 
<laughs> you really got to see it, it's, Lewis. It's hot. Uh-huh. It's happening. It's our criteria. Yeah. It should. Be. I gotta say, it sure uh, is. Honestly, honestly, it should be. But like, they they have a they have a teen slasher, like a, a high school slasher, like um, genre that's coming to Criterion for Halloween, and like the faculty and I know what you did last summer are being added to Criterion for that month. Oh, so and any like, old fucking thing. Chef's kiss. Okay. <laughs> chef's kiss. Don't come for the faculty. <laughs> Do not come for, I know what you did last summer, a modern day Giallo film. <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Exactly. Oh, I remember Bridget Wilson-Sampras. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> and your girl, Anne Heche. Anne Heche was feral in that movie. Not that she was ever unferal <laughs> in any movie, but yeah. Um. Yeah, also... I'm sorry. Newsflash. Every biopic that has ever won a fucking Oscar, there's a bunch of lies in totally. it. Totally. So it, I, I would not presume that any biopic you love is telling the truth. And two, that any actor who's also not actively like writing the script them fucking selves is doing anything involving research for a fucking role. Okay? Like... Let's be serious here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, this story is unbelievably gross. If we're taking back Oscars, come on now. I got a list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think it's actually an opportunity for the blind side too. Let's see the real story now with Sandra Bullock ah! arranging the scheme. Honestly. Come honestly. on now. And, you know, like I get, you know, like the anger um, with, you know, what, what happened to him. Um, but like, Let's go after the evil people, the Tui family. Like, who even jumps to like your first thought is like, oh, let's take this Oscar away from Sandra Bullock. Like, you think you think he's thinking about a fucking Oscar? No, yeah, he doesn't care. No, he's th- he's thinking about he's thinking about paying his bills. Okay, so he probably didn't see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I don't need to see Tim McGraw. Why would I? you? Yeah. Uh, that and another brief keep it of a movie that is sort of related to The Blind Side. The help. Yes. Because I don't know if you saw this interview. Yes. Where Jessica Chastain talked about she had so much fun, you know, being in that movie with her friend Octavia Spencer. And obviously we've heard the story before about how she advocated for Octavia to um, make as much money as she did um, on the help. Um, Or at least more money, you know. So, you know, like that was a fucking great thing that she did for Octavia. Uh, And then never claimed credit for it either. Octavia was the one who mentioned it years later. For all intents and purposes, Jessica Chastain seems like a very lovely woman. (laughs) Yes, great actress. When she's not on on her um, 15 burner accounts on Twitter. Telling people to jump out a window (laughs) because they didn't like uh, Mrs. Sloan. But... Jessica Chastain suggested that they revisit the characters in The Help, and maybe she and Octavia Spencer are best friends and living together, and Octavia's helping her raise the baby that she had in The Help. Are you demented, girl? I feel like Octavia is still recovering from being a producer on Green Book and the blowback to that. You need, she needs to not be wrapped up in this. By the way, love Octavia Spencer. Love her. Yeah. But what kind of fucking 
Grace and Frankie and Jim Crow, <laughs> do you think that we want to watch? What what would that movie even be about? It would have it would have some of the light racism that I said I liked in um Hidden Figures. Yeah. They'd have a scene where they want to look for an apartment together and it's like well, we're not going to let you live here because you want to live with a Negro. And then Jessica Chastain, the comedy is, she can't get the apartment either because she's an unwed mother. <laughs> we learn so much. <laughs> I love a movie that teaches us something. And so then they get a gay man to pretend to be straight to live with them. And really, it's Three's Company. Oh, oh, my God. That w- okay. <laughs> well, unfortunately, now it's a good movie. Comic mix-up, lots of scenes on the phone when Octavia can't stand the other actors anymore. (laughs) Who plays that role? Oh, God. A a, a gayish... Would he be about the same age or old? Yeah, about the same age, right? So The same age. Early 50s. Oh, and of course, it's Alan Cumming. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Bring me back to the house. Or honestly... Let's get Ben Whishaw in there. He's British. That's too. right. That adds to the comedy. And he's doing all sorts of gay things in movies, as we discovered. Yeah. Huh. Wait till you see him in that movie. I cannot wait. I'm going to watch it right after this. He could top me. Okay. Right? We, we Okay. Uh, but the, end, the episode's ending. Uh, goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> and thank you to Punky Johnson and Dicey for being here. That's our show. We'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski, and to Matt DeGroote and David Tolls for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. An extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.